Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Can I give you this? Isn't Jesus wonderful? Yeah. Don't you love him? Yeah. Why don't you just turn to your neighbor and say, unashamedly, I love Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It is so good to be with you again. Can I just ask for a show of hands? How many of you remember me from the past life? Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, it is so good to see so many new faces here and familiar ones also. And uh, it, it is a privilege for me to be able to come back here and to share God's word with you. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Aaron Children Ministries. As you can tell, I'm from the northeast of England. Uh, my parents originated from the Fiji Islands. And my father told us he came to England for the weather. Can you believe it? So they left sunny Fiji in 1960, came to England, and I was born in Southampton. And then we moved up to the northeast to be based in a My father was an evangelist, going all the way up to Scotland, Peterhead. And so church in Newton Aycliffe actually suggested, why don't you just base yourself here and then travel north and south from here? And that just seemed good to them. And so we've been here in the northeast since 1975. We came to know Cliff and the fellowship here when my father was pastor in a Baptist church in Stockton. And uh, just since then, just known and loved uh, you guys, the church here. And just want to say Luke and Amelia, just grateful for the opportunity to stand here uh, in front of your congregation and to share God's word. For me, it's just a huge honor uh, just to stand in front of people and share God's word. But you know, the truth is it's a, it's a privilege and an honor to do anything for the Lord. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord and to dwell in the tents of the wicked. And the least thing that we can do for the church, for the kingdom of God, is a privilege and an honor. And uh, since uh, 2011, I was in an itinerant ministry. And then in 2009, the Lord actually put on my heart while I was in another meeting. Uh, the word just came through, step into it. And I don't know what that meant to all the other people in the room, but I knew what it meant to me. And that was to step into another season, another phase of ministry. And I knew it was pastoring. And so since 2011, we've been leading the church, initially in Sedgefield. And then we were asked to take over a church in Newton Aycliffe. And so since COVID and all of that, uh, we've consolidated in Newton Aycliffe. And so they're leading this morning, they're having church this morning. My son is preaching this morning, so uh, I haven't heard him uh, preach for a very long time, so I'm looking forward to getting back and, and just uh, catching up on, online. Um, but I've got something on my heart that I want to share with you. If you've got your Bibles with you, how many of you know church is a good place to bring your Bible? Go with me to Psalm 65. And I've just got to say, that was such good praise and worship. Uh, such a, a, a consciousness and awareness of the presence of God. And so thank you, worship team, for leading us in praise and worship. And you, you can tell when it comes from the heart. Amen. And uh, so we thank God for that. And Father, we just thank you that as we've been able to minister to you, you desire to minister to us. So teach us what we need to know and show us what we need to see and prepare and equip us for all that you have in store. Help us, God, to live in such a way that we don't come behind or fall short of a single thing that you've purposed for our lives, but that each one of us might run our race and finish the course that you've set for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, during the years of travelling ministry, um, that I had, and we would travel the length and breadth of mainly the United Kingdom, uh, visit all types of churches, um, Anglican churches, Methodist, Baptist, full-blown Pentecostal churches, and uh, during that time we were living by faith, but a number of people had it on their heart to help and support us in the ministry. And I would write to them just a, a letter of appreciation, and during that time, it seemed that the Lord would give me a theme. Every time we turned into a new year, the Lord would give me a theme to share with the people and, and also in my traveling ministry. And when we stepped into pastoring, uh, that didn't change. And the first year we stepped into a new year, we started in February 2011. So when 2012 came, the Lord gave me a theme for that year. And it just, it just seems like every year the Lord has given me a theme to share. 
And the same happened as we stepped into 2000 or, or 2023. The Lord gave me a theme for the year and, and I want to share that with you. And I, I'll be honest with you, I probably feel stronger about the theme this year than I have any of the years before. Uh, the first year we did this, it came from Psalm 65. And then this year, uh, our theme came from Psalm 65. So I'm going to read a few verses to you, beginning with verse 1. I've got the New King James translation, so if yours is slightly different, then just please bear with me. Psalm 65 and verse 1 says, Praise is awaiting you, O God, in Zion. And to you the vow shall be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you all flesh will come. Iniquities prevail against me. As for our transgressions, you will provide atonement for them. Aren't you glad that he did? Amen. He has provided atonement for our transgressions. Verse 4. This is where the theme has come from. Blessed is the man you choose. And if you've got a New King James or a King James, you'll know that the word man is in italics, meaning that it was added by the translators to help us to understand. You understand this includes the ladies too. Amen. Blessed is the one, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman, because uh, Jesus said, I've chosen you. Blessed is the man that you choose, and cause to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. Now this is the thing. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. Why don't we say that three times? Say it together. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. One more time. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. I believe that there is a flow of goodness that comes from the house of God into our lives. Now you understand that the psalmist here who was writing, I'm just going to put this away for a moment, I've got most of my text written down here. I'm old school, I use paper, uh, so just bear with me. Um, that there is a flow of goodness from the house of God into our lives. Now you understand that when he's talking about the house here, he's talking about the temple where the presence of God was kept, where the people would go to worship. That is a type of the church for us today. Paul wrote to Timothy and one of the things he said was, I'm writing these things so that you would know how to behave yourself in the house of God, which is the church and the pillar and foundation of the truth. So the house of God is the church. And I believe, friends, that there is a flow of God's goodness. There is a flow of blessing. There is a flow of favour. There is a flow of healing that comes into our lives from the house of God. Amen? It comes into our lives. It comes into our homes. It comes into our marriages. It comes into our families. A flow of God's goodness into our lives from the house of God. I believe this strongly. Amen? I believe the house of God is for our goodness. I believe the church is for our goodness. I believe the church is for the good of the people of God. I believe the church is for the good of humanity. Amen? I believe the church is still the pillar of truth. I believe the church is still essential for society in 2023. I believe the church is still good for society in the standard of truth and holiness and what is acceptable to God. Are you with me? The church is the greatest thing that is happening on the face of the earth. I'll say it again. Because of that underwhelming response, I'll say it again. The church is the greatest thing that is happening on the face of the earth. Amen. Amen. And you and I are, are, of all people, are blessed to know God. And this morning to be found 
in the house of God. But we understand in this day and age that the church is under attack. Has been under attack. And will continually be under attack. What we stand for as truth is under attack. Amen? What we stand for as what is right. And yes, in 2023 there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. Is under attack. Amen? And the church is under attack. And of course it's under attack. Because Jesus said the gates of Hades will not prevail against the church. The church is under attack from the outside. Amen? As things challenge the truth and the values that we have and the things that we believe. But in a more subtle way, the church is under attack from the inside. Amen? It's under attack from the inside. The, the enemy seeks to cause division. The enemy seeks to cause disunity. But let's be honest, every single one of us know that that is wrong. Amen? Every single one of us know that causing division, causing disunity, is wrong. We all know that. Amen? We don't have to have any level of spiritual discernment to know that it's wrong. We all know that division and disunity and undermining is wrong. There's a more subtle attack that comes from within. And it's like apathy. Amen? Apathy from the inside. A lack of zeal for the things of God. A lack of zeal for the house of God. David said, and it was identified in Jesus, the zeal for your house has consumed me. And I wonder how consumed we are with the house of God. With the things of God. Faithfulness is not valued in people who are called to be faithful. Preference trumps conviction. Comfort trumps commitment. The influence of the world guides so many Christians who are called to be followers of Jesus Christ. Most do not live with eternity in mind but live for temporal satisfaction and pleasure. We live natural lives and not spiritual lives. I'm generalising here. There is less and less distinction between what the world pursues and what many Christians pursue. Sunday used to be called the Lord's Day. Now it's just part of the weekend. Worldliness has taken over many people's lives. Worldliness is not about having bright lights and screens and what have you, but the things of the world come into people's lives. It's the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire of other things that have consumed Christians. Christians become consumers of messages rather than being consumed with God. In the house of God and commitment he committed to the house of God he committed to the church and you know as ministers and pastors and people who have the privilege of sharing God's word it's a responsibility of ours to encourage people to see spiritual things as valuable and important and significant and I want to commend you today, you know, on a day like this, we could be anywhere, but I want to commend you for being found in the house of God. Amen? And being committed to the local church. I was reading through the book of Revelation recently, and I can't say this was a spiritual experience that I had, but um, I, I woke up in the middle of the night, say middle of the night, it was about two o'clock. And this thought that was strongly impressed upon my mind was, Jesus is coming soon. 
Jesus is coming soon. And then this thought immediately followed, and we're not ready. Jesus is coming soon, and we're not ready. And I don't mean we're not ready as in that we're going to be lost or anything like that. I mean we're just not ready. And the verse that came to my mind was Revelation 19 verse 7 and 8 where it says let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife which is the church has made herself ready the church the wife of the bridegroom has made herself ready Verse 8 says, And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. And then notice this, For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The church has made herself ready. And it was granted her to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts, the righteous deeds of the saints. Jesus is coming soon. And so many Christians are not ready because they're not engaged with the righteous acts or the righteous deeds of the saints. Are you with me? Sometimes there's a, a tension between, you know, it was her to gi be given the, this fine linen, and then the church has made herself ready. Has, has, has the fine linen been given or do we make ourselves ready? Do we clothe ourselves? Well, both is true. Because he gives us the word which tells us what to put on and what to wear. But it's our responsibility to put it on. Amen? It's our responsibility not just to be hearers of the word but to be doers of the word. And to engage in the righteous acts of the saints. book of Revelation is a manual for living for God in a corrupt world. Amen? You were, you'll notice it was written to churches that were experienced, that were in a hostile environment. That was experiencing persecution. The scripture tells us that we're fellow workers with God. That we're created in Christ Jesus for good works. That we're being joined together. We grow into a holy temple to the Lord. I want us to go over to 1 Peter. Remember the theme, title of my message, the goodness of the house of God. There is a, there is a flow of goodness that comes into our lives from the house of God. But I want to remind you of something that James said. He said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So there is a flow of goodness that comes to, the house of, to, to our lives from the house of God. But the thought I want you to take with you this morning is that as individuals and as a body of believers, we need to seek the good of the house of God. Amen? And as we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And as we live to seek the good of the house of God, we will experience the goodness of the house of God in our lives. For too many Christians, the church has gone to the periphery of their priorities. For too many Christians, especially with online and what have you. We have options. Amen? But I believe that there is something significant about gathering. The body of Christ. Joining our voices in praise and worship. There is something about the corporate anointing. That will mean that we leave this place differently than when we arrived. There is a supply of the Spirit that comes into our lives when we are gathered together that we miss out on when we're isolated. And the whole thing of isolation, there's been a spirit behind that it's, and it's taken many people's lives. 
and they live in isolation. One of the greatest privileges that we have in this Christian life is the privilege of fellowship. Whether it's a corporate gathering or a small gathering in a small group. It's one of the greatest privileges that we have. And there is a supply of the Spirit that comes when we gather together that we miss out on if we're isolated. There is a work that God can do in our lives when we gather together that we miss out on when we're isolated. I believe God wants us to experience the goodness of his house. But we have to first seek the goodness of his house. Are you with me? Let me just say this, friends. It's to your advantage to seek the goodness of the house of God. Amen? It's to your advantage. To the advantage of your homes, to the advantage of your family. To seek the goodness of the house of the Lord. Psalm 122, I'm not going to read all of it, but it says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. The psalm continues to talk about the house of God in Jerusalem, how that it's located. Uh, the house of God is located in Jerusalem. And in and, and verse 9 it says this, Psalm 122 verse 9, Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Amen? Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. I believe when we're found in the house of God, we will flourish in ways that we could not otherwise. I believe when we're found in the house of God, that we will be equipped for life and ministry in a way that we could not otherwise. I believe when we're found in the house of God, we will grow spiritually in a way that we could not otherwise. My father, and some of you remember my father, he had this expression. He talked about one of his best friends um, when he was growing up as a child in Fiji. And he said, we were so close. We used to eat dinner off the same plate. And that meant, literally, they would sit on the corner of a table and just eat dinner off the same plate. He said, that's how close we were. And I think some Christians think that they and Jesus are like that. They and Jesus eat dinner off the same plate. They're so close to Jesus that they eat off the same plate. They just don't have time for other Christians. Let me say this, friends. You cannot separate Jesus from his church. Amen? You cannot separate Jesus from his church. And you cannot say, I'm so in love with Jesus, I've just got no time for the house of God. Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they came up with their opinions of what people were saying. John the Baptist, Elijah, or one of the prophets. Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And they said, Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, you're blessed, Simon Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And he immediately went to talk about the church. Amen? And upon this rock I will build my church. The book of Revelation begins with John seeing Jesus in all of his glory in a way that he hadn't seen him while he was on planet earth. John sees Jesus and where is Jesus? He's in the midst of the churches. Amen? You cannot separate Jesus from his church. In 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 4 says, Come unto him as to a living stone. That is, come unto Jesus as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. To you also as living stones, sorry, you also as living stones are being built. A spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. I believe the King James says, peculiar people. And as you look around, you see some people are more peculiar than others. But we're his special people. Amen? 
I don't know who's coming to your mind. But he's talking about all of us. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. I want you to notice that he says in verse 5, you also as living stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It's interesting. As you read through the New Testament, in the Old Testament they had the house of God, which was the temple. They had the priesthood. And then they had the people who came and brought their offerings and brought their sacrifices. And the priest received the offerings and they sacrificed the sacrifices. In the New Testament you find that you are the temple of God. In the New Testament you find that you are the royal priesthood. In the New Testament you find that you bring the sacrifice, but in the New Testament you also find that you are the sacrifice. Amen? God has a high calling for your life. He has a high calling for all of our lives. To be a royal priesthood and to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. I want to talk to you about four sacrifices that are acceptable to God. That we as a royal priesthood are to offer. Is this okay with you? Four sacrifices that we as a royal priesthood are to offer up to God as acceptable to Him. And these are part of your and my seeking the good of the house of God. I'll give you those four sacrifices and then we'll talk in, in a bit more detail briefly. Uh, about them. Number one, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Number two, lifting up our hands in praise, worship, and adoration. Number three, the fruit of our lips praise, worship, confession, and bold declarations. And number four, the bringing of our offering. To the house of God. Amen. Number one. Presenting our bodies. As a living sacrifice. First let me put it in this context. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 24 and verse 25. Says and let us consider one another. In order to stir up love and good works. Now look at this. Verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exalting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Jesus is coming soon. Amen? And what is he saying? Being mindful of that day, we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It is the perfect will of God that you present your body as a living sacrifice. And with Hebrews in mind, it is the perfect will of God that you present your bodies as an assembly of believers. Amen? Gathering in the house of God. Literally, you take your body out of bed on a Sunday morning and you prepare yourself for the house of God. Thank you for that underwhelming response. <laughs> Sometimes it's a sacrifice. Amen. There is a joy in being found in the house of God. There is a joy in connecting and fellowshipping with believers. But it's often a sacrifice because we all have busy lives. 
Amen? I did 19 years of itinerant ministry before we stepped into pastoring. The biggest challenge pastors had throughout the country in the summer was the weather. Amen? The biggest challenge was a nice sunny day. I think it's an honourable thing on such a day to dedicate this first portion to God and to be found in his house. I believe that's an honourable thing. Amen? I believe the picnic can wait. And having that attitude, the picnic can wait, the beach can wait, can wait, family can wait. Amen? The barbecue can wait. The house of God comes first. Amen? Do we need to go to the house of God? Why do we need to go to the house of God? Because you're a priest, brother and sister. You're a priest. Whoever heard of a priest that didn't go to the house of God? You see, you are more than members of a congregation. You are more than members of New Life Church, Billingham, Teesside, Stockton, Hartlepool. You've got to see yourself how God sees you. You're more than members of a church. You, you're not just a Christian. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You have a call to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. And it is acceptable to God for you to be found physically in the house of God. Amen? To be found in the house of God. Paul's words here about a living sacrifice was a new idea because most sacrifices were dead. But he wants us to be a living sacrifice. And the fact that he uses the word beseech, it's a strong word. And one expositor said it literally shows, shows Paul on his knees pleading with the people to do something. Amen? Present your body as a living sacrifice. To present means to surrender, to offer as a sacrifice, a special offering. We're called to offer spiritual sacrifices. Acceptable means it's agreeable, fully pleasing and approved by God. Which is your reasonable service means it's intellectually and rationally done. As opposed to just out of emotion. The fact that it's a service means it's a priestly service for you to present your body. Amen? To engage in corporate worship with people who are of like precious faith with us. It's not just a matter of coming to the house of God, but it's a matter of being engaged. Amen? We don't sing songs. We praise God. We don't sing songs and hymns, we worship Him. You see, let, let, let me say this, might sound a little odd to you, but you actually have some glory of your own. Amen? You have some glory of your own. Scripture says, Psalmist says, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? You've crowned him with glory and honour. The problem with the world, and your glory is, you know, the best of you. The best of you. When you do something with all of your strength, with all your might, with all your heart, that's the best of you. The problem in this world is people have turned the glory that God gave them, maybe the skills and talents and abilities, they've turned it upon themselves. And they've used it for themselves. When whatever glory God has given us is supposed to be turned, returned towards Him. Amen? The psalmist said, I will praise you even with my glory. Amen? Whatever gifts and talents you've given me, I will use it to praise you and to worship you. And that's why we gather together and we don't watch other people sing. We worship God with all our heart, with all our might, with all our soul, with all of our strength. Whatever weight there is about us, we turn it towards Him. Amen? 
You know, there are some environments where, where it's appropriate to be quiet and to be respectful. Amen? And to be still and to speak when you're spoken to. Some environments it's appropriate for that. But in the house of God, it's not appropriate to be quiet. Amen? In the house of God, it's not appropriate to be still. In the house of God, it's appropriate to express your love and worship to Him. Can you say Amen? In fact, sometimes it's disrespectful to be quiet in the house of God. Amen? Now don't misunderstand me, I've been in services where just a holy hush came upon the service. Amen? And it was respectful and reverent and ought to be in awe, to be silent. The weight of God's presence in the room. Generally, we gather to express gratitude. Can you say amen? amen. David said, My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing praise, awake my glory, awake lute and harp, and I will awaken the dawn. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Okay, enough about that. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. If you're a priest, and you are, present your body as a living sacrifice. Be found in the house of God. Amen? And be engaged. Second is the lifting up of our hands. Every acceptable sacrifice receives a divine response. That's why it's to our advantage to come to the house of God. Psalm 141 and verse 2. David said, and he was away from, Israel, from Jerusalem. You remember Absalom was after him and he was hiding. But he's remembering the house of God. He's remembering the tabernacle. And he said, let my prayer be set before you as incense. We sang about that earlier, didn't we? Let my prayer be set before you as incense. Notice this. And the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. David said, let the lifting up of my hands be as the evening sacrifice. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8, I desire, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Chronicles chapter 2 and verse 21 talks about when the people of God were under, under attack. And, uh, was it Jehoshaphat the king? Uh, consulted and prayed and turned to God and God gave him a solution when the Spirit came on one of the young men and he prophesied and then it says he consulted with the people he appointed those who should, should sing praise to the Lord who should praise the beauty of holiness they went out before the army and were singing praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever the word translated praise you might know this is the word yada yada and it literally means to extend the hand they literally went to the army, they went to the battlefield with hands like this. And God fought for them and they won a great battle. Yadah means to hold out the hand, especially to revere or worship with extended hands, to give praise, to give thanks, to be thankful, to, to, be, to have thanksgiving. And let me just say this, this is... I'm going to put this in here, and um, this is interesting. As I was studying along these lines, have you ever been described as a happy clapper? Um, I can remember as a young, just uh, in school, people were asking me, what, what kind of church you go to? And uh, I said, well, we're, we're, you know, believe in Jesus. Are you one of those happy clappy churches? I said, yeah. I'm one. And I'm proud to be, in, in a humble way, if, you can, if that's possible, I'm proud to be a happy clapper. Amen? <laughs> and, and I do clap. Amen? I do clap when it's appropriate in, in, in praise, you know, I, I clap. 
and I don't know what kind of a clapper you are. Uh, I remember, you know, when we were kids, us teenagers at the back, we were trying to see who could clap the loudest. And I had a friend, actually, he was a relative, uh, an in-law's brother, and he found a way that you could clap. So he he, he cussed his hand like that, so there was some air. And when he clapped it, it just—I mean—it was the loudest clapping I'd ever heard. And so we just tried to clap, you know. And there were three or four of us at the back, just completely clapping and drowning everybody else out. But, but I, I love to clap. Let me just say this. The word clap in the whole of the Bible is mentioned nine times. Five of those times are negative. I've got to stick with my notes. One of them says, they clapped and they hissed. Twice. Clapping's used in that context. Another two times is that they clapped with disdain. Isn't that interesting? I don't remember exactly what the other ones, but five out of the nine times clapping is mentioned, there's a negative connotation. I mean, if, if Luke said, why don't we give Aaron a round of applause for his message, and everybody did a slow clap. <laughs> That's a clap with disdain. Amen? Like, what was that? Or who's this guy? What does he think he's talking about? A clap with disdain. Now, four, that means four times clapping is mentioned with a positive connotation. One of them is when Joash was anointed and crowned to be king, and it says, they clapped and said, long live the king. Another time, it says, and the rivers clap their hands. Another time it says, and you'll remember this, that the trees of the field clap their hands. Of the nine times clapping is mentioned, one time it says, clap your hands all you people and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. So clapping is scriptural. Amen. It's scriptural to clap your hands in the house of God. Amen. And appropriate. But the word yada is mentioned 114 times in the Old Testament. Amen. 114 times. It is translated as praise 52 times and it is translated as thanks 40 times. That tells me that there is a greater emphasis in Scripture on the lifting up of holy hands. Amen? Clapping is thoroughly scriptural. Let me just make a point of that. Amen? It is scriptural and I clap with the best of them. And I can still pull off a good clap. Amen? But when they say to me at church, let's praise God, I have the habit now of lifting up holy hands. Amen? I have the habit of lifting up holy hands. Because of the emphasis that Scripture puts on us. And this, this thought occurred to me you know, as, as I was thinking along these lines, is that clapping is a bit like an audience, but lifting holy hands is like a royal priesthood. Amen? It's like a royal priesthood. So the bringing of our sacrifice through lifted hands. And I don't know if you're a hand lifter. You know, some, some people say, well, you know, I, I'm, not I'm not expressive in my worship, uh, I'm not a clapper, and I'm not a hand raiser. But according to the scripture, apparently, you are. Amen? According to the scripture, you and I are, because we're a royal priesthood. And the sacrifices we make is the lifting up of our hands. Amen? Moving along swiftly. The other sacrifice is the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips in praise, worship, confession and declaration. Hebrews chapter 13 says, Therefore by him let us offer the sacrifice of praise, that is the fruit of our lips, giving praise to God. And you see, like I said before, every acceptable sacrifice receives a divine response. 
God inhabits the praises of his people. And how could we not go home differently than when we arrived, having encountered the presence of God, that corporate anointing, the presence of the Holy Spirit amongst us. He's in us, he's on us, but he's also amongst us. Amen? You read in Acts 13 when the ministers at the church at Antioch begins with Barnabas and ends with Saul, who later became Paul. It says they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And in response, God ministered to them and said, separate Barnabas and Saul for the work I've called them to. When Paul and Silas were in prison, they ministered to the Lord with praise and worship and the fruit of their lips. And God inhabited the praises of his people. And he does exactly the same today, friends. Amen? We are a royal priesthood. A sacrifice is to come to the house of God. A sacrifice is to lift our hands in praise and worship. And another acceptable sacrifice is the fruit of our lips in praise and worship. And the last one I want to talk to you about is the bringing to the house of God of our offerings, our tithes and our offerings. Amen? Paul wrote to the Philippians, chapter 4 and verse 18. We all know what verse 19 says. But in verse 18, Paul said, I indeed have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things that were sent from you. And it was a monetary gift. It was their finances, and it was a sacrifice to them. He said, I've received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you. A sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Amen. It is an acceptable sacrifice to bring to the house of God our tithes and our offerings. Our tithes is simply the reward we receive from the gifts and talents that God has blessed us with. Amen. It, the glory that we have is re, or the strength and the abilities that God has given us brings reward into our lives. And it's an acceptable sacrifice to bring that portion to the house of God which belongs to God. Are you with me? Now, there's some debate amongst some Christians about whether tithing is relevant for us today. Let me just say this. There should be no doubt that tithing, the tithes and offerings are for us today. Amen? The first mention of anything is significant in the scripture. The first mention of the word tithe is found with Abraham. When he won a great victory and he met Melchizedek, the great high priest, the high priest. And the scripture says that he brought to the priest a tithe of all. Amen? He brought to the priest a tithe of all. The second mention of the tithe is with Jacob when he's running away from Esau and he sleeps in the, in the open space, puts his head on a rock and he has a dream about a ladder going from earth to heaven and angels ascending and descending upon this ladder. He wakes up in the morning and says, this is none other than the house of God. And he, he vows to the Lord that if you will bless me, I will indeed return to you a tithe of all. So the first mention of the word tithe is to do with a, with a priest. Let me ask you, do we have a high priest? We still have a high priest. The second mention of the tithe is to do with the house of God. Do we have the house of God? So the tithe is still relevant for us today. Amen? And it is a sacrifice. Amen? It is a sacrifice, acceptable to God and well-pleasing. But let me say this, every acceptable sacrifice receives a divine response. And Malachi says this, bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now with this, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He shall not destroy the fruit of your vine. Neither will your vine cast the field, fruit before the time in the field. Amen? Sacrifice. 
And we've, we've lost the idea of sacrifice in the Christian life. We live for comfort. We've taken on what Jesus, my yoke is easy. We look for the easy life, but we forget that he said it's a yoke. Amen? My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now I want to encourage you, friends. There is a flow of goodness from the house of God into your life. But I want to encourage you also to seek the good of the house of God. Realize you're not just a member of the church. Amen? You're not just a member or, or part of the congregation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. And you've been called to bring acceptable sacrifices to Him. Can you say Amen? amen. Sacrifice of your body presented in the house of God. A sacrifice of lifted up hands. And praise, yes, and surrender. Sacrifice praise and worship that is the fruit of our lips and the sacrifice and especially in this day and age in the season that we're in challenges that we're all facing sacrifice honoring God with our substance bringing to the house of God our praise and our uh, the, the tithes and the offerings that he has enriched us with amen let's bow our heads and close our eyes fathers we just want to say thank you for your word the entrance of your word, scripture says, gives light. We thank you that when the light is turned on, we are illuminated. And we see the way that we should go, but we also become aware of the things that would cause us to stumble. I pray for all of us, as we've prayed before, that we'll not just be hearers of your word, but that we will be doers of it. For it's only when we're doers that we walk in the blessing and experience the life that you prepared. Pray for your people. I ask that you bless them. And in blessing them, make them a blessing. In Jesus' name.